Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, November 5th, 2023. And we've got another great show for you this week as David Levine from Groom Law Group and one half of the Legal Eagles will be here to help break things down with new regulations and legislation and what's going on with Capitol Hill. And then we'll turn things over to Oliver Rennick of the Schwab Network to help break down markets. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. Well, we are going to kick things off with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill and some big announcements this week that we're going to get into in a few minutes. David Levine, Kevin Walsh, we know them as the Legal Eagles, but they're both principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Jeff, as always, it's great to be here. It's been a long week for us. I think we're going to need new reading glasses after this week because of all the stuff that came out, especially in the concept of who is a fiduciary. So with that said, let's kick it off. Yeah, I appreciate that, David. Kevin, I want to come to you. And and I should also mention that uh, we'll feature Kevin tomorrow morning on BRN AM. So we'll have a little bit more time to break things down. But Kevin, I want to come to you. Let's talk about the... uh, who is a fiduciary? And we this goes back to conversations we have every week. Uh, we all have talked about ERISA, but but there's been some new guidance. So tell us, who's a fiduciary, Kevin? And that's that's a great question, Jeff. And just, you know, for folks out there, one of the, the key things in ERISA is understanding if you're a fiduciary, you know, a fiduciary to a plan, a fiduciary to an IRA. Um, because if you are a fiduciary to a plan or an IRA, then you have to comply with a prudent person standard. Um, and you have an obligation to avoid conflicts of interest. Um, traditionally, in terms of determining whether you're a fiduciary, um, there's been a five-part test for figuring out if you're a fiduciary. And the five-part test, you know, according to at least the Fifth Circuit, was designed to reflect an understanding that Congress had at the time that ERISA was enacted, you know, way back in 1974, um, that in order to become a fiduciary, you have to already be in a relationship of trust and confidence with the person you're a fiduciary to. So you think about trust law, you're thinking, okay, um, I've agreed to be trustee to this trust. Now that I'm already a trustee, I have an obligation to really look after the assets on behalf of of the the trust beneficiary. Um, The Department of Labor has had some concerns, though, over the years um, that, you know, one-time advice might not satisfy that type of a relationship um, or that recommendations to take assets out of plans and open up an IRA uh, might not meet that, or that the purchase of some products like annuities or some models of of distribution, um, like a, a brokerage model where um, you know folks only get paid for completing sales of securities, you know, may not be covered by you know their regulatory system. And so this week, uh, what happened, and you know, actually just Friday, November third, uh, the Department of Labor published in the Federal Register a proposal which you know would largely make investment professionals in the plan and IRA space fiduciaries when they recommend services or products to plans, uh, to plan fiduciaries, to IRA and IRA fiduciaries, and when they recommend that people move from a plan to an IRA or between IRAs 
um, you know, regardless of whether it's it's just a single recommendation, so long as the person who's making the recommendation is held to some care standard. And by some care standard, I mean, you know, regulation best interest for uh, broker dealers or the NAIC's best interest standard for um, annuity salespeople um, or some of the state standards for distribution of other products. Um, and so this is this is a sea change because you know it it really expands the scope of who's a fiduciary and the test is well you know do you satisfy all of these prongs of a test to be a fiduciary to so the default now is you know just about everybody would be a fiduciary under this proposal um, so that's that's kind of the, the change they're proposing it's not final uh, they're submitting they're accepting comments up until January second uh, and then you know based on those comments based on you know congressional feedback and otherwise, uh, the agency will have to determine if it wants to move forward with the final rule. And if so, if it wants to make changes. Um, but, you know, for this week, I think the discussion you teed off of, you know, when is somebody a fiduciary, you know, it's a core discussion to, you know, the retirement space and the Department of Labor is proposing pretty dramatic changes. Another week we can talk about changes to exemptions. But for now, I think we've, we've you know, the, the first test that anyone wants to know is, am I a fiduciary or am I working with a fiduciary? So David, I want to come back. David, I want to come to you because uh, if I am a plant sponsor, a record keeper, someone in the retirement ecosystem, wow, uh, this is a lot to um, unpack. So I want to come to you to get maybe impact and sure. your assessment of the sure. of where this applies. Sure. Let, let, let's go to like really basics here. This is major. This is the way it is written. And Department of Labor representatives have indicated, oh, it's not, it's just harmonizing. It's major. It impacts across the spectrum. So let's go through each group to your point, Jeff. Let's start first with plan sponsors. For plan sponsors, the immediate impact until it goes live is limited. But if the rule goes into effect the way it is and doesn't get knocked out in some way in litigation, it's going to, just like you went through in like 2017, 2018, and then after 2020 with all the Department of Labor iterations, as a plan sponsor, you may see a lot of new service contracts, a lot of new disclosures, a lot of different positioning. Well, maybe some people step back from certain services, maybe, and you're going to hear that in the comment letters. But as a sponsor, it's going to really say, here is the standards and some people may start to look more like fiduciaries where they weren't they may say things to you and you're going to have to say what roles do i want them in and how do i deal with the potential or apparent conflicts and how do i document this but that's down the line the bigger folks that it's the group that's affecting are the are the service providers in the industry ecosystem and you're right we got to break it apart kevin already touched very briefly for instance on things like annuity providers and like annuity solutions, big, big impact on insurance companies. There could be a lot of comments. If it goes forward, there will be a lot of design changes. Similarly, uh, it, there, the proposal would also have impact on some of your advisors and intermediaries in these plans because some of you do a combination of things. You may give assistance on wellness, you may do participant advice, you may be involved in other services, all these different things. If you recommend one for another, you might be acting as a fiduciary going forward under this rule 
which makes it so expansive. So now is the time to step back and figure out what really is your business because of the short timeframes that Kevin talked about and say, okay, what are my lines of business? How might I be impacted? Knowing the rule could change, but because of the short windows, evaluating each of those and saying, is one of these going to be make, be a fiduciary act where it wasn't before because a number of services might be? And then, and then saying, what's my strategy if I go forward? Because your time may be limited. Similarly, record keepers, record keepers do a lot of things. They, they record keep and TPAs record keep, but they also do things like manage accounts. They do wellness. They do rollovers. And as Kevin said, and that's where I'm going to wrap this, rollovers are a big item and important to keep in mind. If you are an organization that does retirement and wealth management or even wealth management, there, these rules would clearly, and they were very specifically written to explain why the DOL thinks it has jurisdiction here, to say their new rules on fiduciary apply to IRAs, which could have big impacts in that market. So, so simply put, break it down, take it apart, figure out your pieces, identify, would you be a fiduciary? And start to think about your business strategy. Don't jump to change now, but these are early steps and we're already having those with our, with our clients today. I know Kevin and I in already have had a number of conversations on this exact topic with specific clients. And I know both of you gentlemen are headed to the Spark Forum um tomorrow and uh you think this might come up in conversation when you're talking to people just in in passing not at all no chance i'm kidding of course i mean yeah. I'll, I'll be sitting in the hallway probably talking about this all day yeah it sounds this, it is, sounds this is spark has fantastic speakers and fantastic uh you know topics but i i feel as though i'm, I'm gonna end up missing sessions that i would normally want to be at uh because folks are gonna want to talk fiduciary well, I look forward to seeing you guys in person. And uh, Kevin, I look forward to talking with you. We're going to pick this back up tomorrow morning on BRN AM. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you at the Spark Forum and um, enjoy the rest of your short weekend. Thank you so much. Bye, gentlemen. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network.
Welcome back. Now, time to break down markets here. Joining us on the line, he is the lead anchor for the Schwab Network, Oliver Rennick. Oliver, thanks for stopping by the program this morning. Always, Jeff. Thanks for the offer. Well, I appreciate you accepting. Uh, you haven't turned us down yet, and we haven't lost a guest yet, so that's great. Um, Oliver, let's talk about jobs because uh, Friday, uh, the October jobs report came out. Um, less jobs created than expected. How did you read it? How did the markets read it this week? Market loved it. Market right now loved everything this week. This was um, really kind of a seminal week, one of the most important weeks of the year because there were a lot of big events, top-tier potential catalysts. We had a Treasury plan on how many bonds they're going to sell. We had an FOMC and a Q&A with Jerome Powell. We had some big tech earnings, including Apple, and we had an employment report. So this was pretty much an all-you-could-eat buffet of information, and the market found it pretty tasty. Um, you can kind of uh, debate, I guess, which things were the biggest uh, catalysts or causes for a huge rally in bonds and a huge rally in stocks, but it's all kind of the same, and it basically – Per usual sort of funnels up into the larger subject of inflation versus growth and the economic data once again were very solid there wasn't anything really that surprising um, obviously jobs are big number one data print uh, but um, you know they missed a little bit but last reading was so profoundly positive that you know our, our description of the job market doesn't change based on the data this week it's very resilient it's very strong it, it's um growing wages at a healthy clip but not showing a inflationary wage spiral the other economic data were generally good manufacturing softened up again a little bit but our services economy is still cranking still pumping um the consumer generally is Still in decent shape, finding ways to navigate a pretty big debt burden, but nothing that's broken American households by any means. And you combine that with, I think, a particularly soft approach from the Fed chair, and you've got a recipe for not just a big rally in stocks, but also a really big rally in bonds, a big decline in the dollar, and effectively the market saying – that inflation as a problem is basically done and the Fed as a threat because of inflation no longer really exists. And one can certainly debate whether or not that should be the interpretation, but just based on the charts, that's kind of what the market is, is saying, and it's saying it pretty loudly. Oliver, you know, the market hates uncertainty. What you seem to indicate, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I want to ask you, is it the predictability? Uh, everyone kind of knew the Fed was going to do what the Fed said they were going to do, which is hold rates steady. The job, new job number, close, relatively close, not didn't deviate so much. Um, inflation maybe abated um, overall at the top line, maybe not in certain key categories. But is that predictability sustaining the market. I mean, this was a great kick start to November after we just had a pretty crappy October, right? So it was successive 
positive days in the market. But is that really built based on yep. and built on uh, predictability because the market hates uncertainty? It, uh, it That is a pretty succinct way to think about it. I think that's probably a very accurate kind of starting point, which is that the Fed is telling us they are comfortable basically where they are. And because of that, it does remove a lot of uh, uncertainty, to your point. Um, now, w there is still this kind of argument that the market's not really – uh, taking Jerome Powell seriously when he says that he wants to get inflation out of two percent, but it's kind of understandable that the market is, thinks doesn't think he's going to hike again because inflation is already above his target and economic data are beating expectations. There is no obvious sign that his interest rate decisions of the past eighteen months have broken the economy, and he's choosing to stop. So his 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 words are basically balanced between dovish and hawkish. He's tried to ride the fence, but the actions, which are more powerful than words, are very clear that he is prioritizing strength in the economy. As much as he talks about how he wants to get inflation down, he at this juncture does not feel threatened by inflation. Or else we wouldn't be pausing and we wouldn't be getting such – meandering 50-50 language. The inflation level is still well above his target, and he's, he's not hiking. And he's not even talking about hiking, really. Every time he hints that, oh, we may have to do it again, a reporter will ask him, oh, really? So you're really thinking about hiking? And he's like, no, not really. You know, We'll, we'll have to see what happens. That's fed speak The big thing this week, in my opinion, is that he seems to embrace this logic that a lot of market participants have been offering, which is that the bond market is, quote, doing the Fed's job for them. And he seemed to agree with that to some extent, the idea being that Treasury yields moving higher tightens the economy on its own and thus removes the pressure from him to act. And his, his sort of implicit acknowledgement of that logic, in my mind, is a very big deal and also a pretty big mistake because it really actually could very much be the opposite. Um, this is kind of a separate you know, diatribe, but I can probably do it in like 60 seconds. The idea yeah. is that – yeah, the idea is that the bond market is selling off and yields are going up, which, yes, you know, makes the stock market go down and to some extent does – tighten financial conditions on its own. But the yield move that we've seen in the last six months is totally different than what happens when the Fed is hiking. When the Fed is hiking, the yield curve is flattening because they're straining the economy. Yields have been rising, but the curve has been steepening. And that is because the economy has been actually in a moment of acceleration and bounce back and strength. And so the bond market is just repricing to a more normal yield to reflect a higher growth environment than was priced in at this point and also a higher inflation environment. And so by if Powell says it thinks the market is doing his work for him, it, it's a very risky move by him because technically it's actually the opposite. When he hikes, 
when the Fed does their job, the curve flattens. And right now the curve has been widening out. So the bond market's not doing its job. It's actually more like been doing something like the opposite, or at least signaling that the opposite is happening. And guess what? I think I've actually already been proven out because in the 48 hours around his testimony, financial conditions have loosened. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very bizarre situation uh, right now. And I think his, he, he risks making a mistake by following that logic. Oliver, I can't let you go without reacting to the conviction of Sam Bankman-Fried. What's this mean mm. for – doesn't mean anything for cryptocurrency. I know you're not a – I don't put words in your mouth, but you're not a crypto hawk, so to speak, um, or a crypto bull maybe is the right word. A doubter. I'm yeah, definitely yeah. more a hawk than a bull. Yeah, doubter, yeah. cynic. Doubter, was never yeah. Really a, yeah. yeah. Maybe bears, right? But, but this – is a pretty significant – I mean I think everyone kind of knew that the, that this was kind of a, a case that if it went to trial, there might be a conviction. We're not going to argue the merits of the case, but what does this mean for broader, broader cryptocurrency? And also, Oliver, I think the SEC kind of got blown up in terms of the, uh, predict, uh, the approval of uh, the ETF, uh, the spot, spot ETF, the Bitcoin spot ETF. So I'm wondering – does this uh, set, settle down the crypto markets? Does it make things better for know. crypto? I mean, uh, putting bad actors in jail definitely is a good thing. Um, the crypto market's kind of been really tied into this ETF expectation, I think. Um, it's been doing uncharacteristic things relative to the rest of the market, so I do think that it's been very ETF-focused. Um I don't know. I mean, you could argue that in reminding everybody that, you know, the second biggest exchange or at one point biggest exchange, I don't know what, what FTX actually ended up being, maybe second biggest, um, or maybe it was the biggest. I don't remember. But either way, the first or second biggest exchange was a big giant fraud. I mean, like, that's definitely not good sentiment to be reminded of. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, definitely not. Definitely not. But the fact that, it, you know, every market has its bad actors, I guess, is my point. Mm -hmm. This is a nascent, yeah. This is a nascent, you know, pre, uh, you know, this is not a mature market. I guess is what I'm saying. So, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's all speculation. But there, there seems to be this, in my mind, seems to be very positive, not for Sam Bankman-Fried, but it's certainly maybe and maybe not for the FTX investors. But it's certainly positive in that you've you've taken out a. Um, a part of the market that was negative and and cast a very yeah. wide shadow. I guess we're going to have to see. I mean, I don't, you know, uh, this is probably its own segment of tone. I'm sorry. The thing for me also is that it wasn't just that he's a bad actor. It's that he was using the same tools to dupe people that crypto is built on, which is issuing tokens. People don't appreciate the role of the FTX token he was using on his balance sheet, which was completely worthless and intrinsically linked to his own fraudulent business and that's like the whole baseline of crypto basically is issuing tokens that are worthless on the idea that people are just going to buy them because they think they're not worthless so to me it's a little bit of a you know uh it wasn't just he's a bad actor it was more of a reflection of just the systemic like uh nature of what I think basically all crypto tokens are essentially. So yeah, yeah it, it is. It is. Um, it, they still haven't solved for that. I mean, I whenever when someone whenever someone brings up blockchain or crypto to me, I still go back to well, what's behind it? 
and I and I I'm not not intelligent. I mean, I think that it just takes a little. It's a it's a different way of thinking. But I, look, I, I don't think I don't think this solves it. Um, I think we're going to be hearing more about crypto, than, and there's going to be a lot more volatility. That's just my personal opinion. Oliver Rennick, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, see you. Bye bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Well, hey, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRN AM. We'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.